to uh, the governor. Governor Shumlin's joining us. Good morning. How's it going? Good morning. It's great to be with you. Anything new? Uh, not enough. It's time for the legislature to wrap up their work and go home. And I know taxpayers join me in hoping that they get their work done. The uh, Last week you were portraying the legislature as being um, almost out of control with all of their spending. You described the scene of um, people sitting around their dining room table and you added up all the taxes they had. Well, the speaker this morning added up all the taxes you had that you proposed at the beginning of the session. So is it really fair to go after them for taxing too much? Well, here's the difference. I very carefully went out with a dedicated tax for health care that would have had the effect of bringing us $100 million in federal money that we're currently leaving with the federal government. And everybody knows that we've got huge health care challenges, that low-income Vermonters, we, we sign folks up for Medicare, for Medicaid, and then we don't pay for it. And, you know, we're proud that we've, covered, that we've cut our uninsured rate in half since I've been governor. We do that through the Affordable Care Act by signing folks up for Medicaid, finally getting them an insurance. And then we save the providers, but we're not going to pay you for them. So I literally was drawing down $100 million in federal money in my plan. So I was asking the federal government, in effect, to give us the money that we're owed to do the work that we need to do in health care. The legislature is asking Vermonters to pay that bill. That's the difference. 244-1777 is our local number, toll-free 877-291-8255. You spent some time this week and have spent time in past weeks really criticizing the tax proposals, particularly the charitable deductions and the medical expense deduction. The latest proposal out of the Senate carves those two out. That's the direction you want to go? Well, first of all, I want to commend the Senate for cutting out those three actually they uh, in my understanding is they've taken out the uh, mortgage deduction the health care deduction and the charitable i could be wrong about the mortgage okay, they I, went I how missed, it played out yeah i missed the mortgage one if they did okay you if just the first two anyway that, that's what i've been trying to negotiate for but let's put it this way uh we're limiting income tax deductions is a mistake and the challenge that we have is as a state we rely on our nonprofits. And they're incredibly important to our quality of life, to our fabric of Vermont as a communities. And we know, we think of all the things nonprofits do. And, you know, one of the versions said, well, you know, the House version limited both. The Senate version said, well, let's just cap donations out of state. Think about that for a minute. In our moment of need in Irene, think how many resources we asked for tax deductible from out of state or sending us money. Think about the fact that last week there was another significant earthquake in Nepal. Do we really want to say to Vermonters, you know, we don't think you should get any help when you donate to things outside of our borders. And if we start that, other states start it. So my whole point is, let's be sensible about the revenue we need to raise and let's not hurt Vermont as we do it. Can you raise enough money on capping that if you take out those three? Well, I keep saying uh, it's incredibly important for us to cut spending before we ask for honors to spend more. I came forth with eight, over $8 million worth of cuts, that I additional cuts, after both the House and the Senate did their good work on the appropriations committees, and they both have done great work. But in light of the fact that we're not drawing down the federal funds that I originally proposed through the payroll tax that we just talked about, you can't just turn to Vermonters and say, we're still going to do all the spending, but we're going to ask you to pay for it. So is this, um, uh, with the carvats though, is this going to get by you? I, as you know, am very concerned that we should not in any significant way limit charitable deductions, home mortgage deductions, or 
uh, catastrophic health care deductions. And my concern is that if you're not careful, the next deduction, if you start limiting deductions, is property taxes. And I certainly don't want to raise property taxes on Vermonters. So those deductions are all there for a good reason. We want Vermonters to buy homes. We want Vermonters to be able to deduct their huge medical expenses when they have a catastrophic case and, and they don't have good insurance. We want Vermonters to give to charity. And we want Vermonters to be able to deduct their property tax bills because our property taxes are too high and it does help a little bit. So it's all about affordability for Vermonters. Okay, but if you can get those three carve-outs that you wanted, isn't that going to be good enough? I strongly believe that if we reduce spending, another $3 million, another $4 million, it reduces the need for the money that is being raised through these other methods. All right. Uh, I guess that... And, and I should add, you also have to look very carefully at the small health care bill spend because that bill, whether it's $10 million, $8 million, currently is using the revenues that you need to balance the budget. Okay. So what does that mean? It means that you can't have everything. And what I'm saying to the legislature is Vermonters uh, are not in a position to see all their taxes raised. This is the time where we should all work together to further reduce spending in a responsible way and uh, to take the collection of tax uh, proposals that have been made and turn that into one that supports the gap in the general fund, the $113 million challenge we're facing, without limiting charitable deductions, without taking away people's home mortgage deduction, and without taking away folks' ability to deduct catastrophic health care costs. Okay, so you want to see, you don't want to see any sort of cap at all. You know, I can't, I, I'm making very clear that uh, that it's difficult for me to see a path towards adjournment without, if it's going to significantly limit the things I just outlined. Okay. On the spending side, I, I guess if you've sort of answered that question, too, that, that you're not happy where things are at with that and you want more cutting. Right? Well, let me be clear, because, you know, in fairness to the legislature, they've worked their tails off cutting budgets. And both the House Appropriations Committee, the Senate Appropriations Committees, and both bodies have done a great job getting us closer. But in light of the fact that we're not going to be drawing down the $100 million that I proposed in January, which I fought for right until two and a half weeks ago, it seems to me, instead of turning to Vermonters and saying, hey, we don't have this federal money, but we still want to make lots of health care spends, or hey, you know, we're not going to draw down these federal dollars, but instead we're going to ask Vermonters to pay for them out of a whole array of taxes, let's instead cut more from the budget, as we proposed, and limit what we ask Vermonters to pay. At the beginning of the session, the big focus, the big discussion was about property taxes. This education bill, as it stands right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how significant is it in terms of property tax? I think it's really significant, not only in terms of property tax in the long run, but in terms of quality, improving quality. I mean, you know, the, the case is a simple one. We have a public school system, delivery system, that's designed for 110,000 students just 15 years ago that now has 78,000 students, and that student count is going to continue to drop. I said in January... Vermont cannot come up with a one-size-fits-all solution to this challenge. We've got to work with local communities because what's right for Putney and Dummerston won't necessarily be right for, uh, you know, uh, other communities around the state. So the beauty of this bill is it takes out the disincentives to change that were in the formula. It gives school boards and local communities the data and the partnership that they need with the state of Vermont to be able to 
with both for by measuring both quality and financial performance make the decisions about what's best for their community and then gives them financial incentives to make the change that we need to have better quality not micro schools but better quality with more options for kids that's most important and in the long run less bureaucracy less administration and a smaller delivery system that will be shaped by local communities and partner with the state in partnership with the state that's what i called for in my inaugural in my in my budget address and that's what the legislature has passed so this bill represents what you called for in your inaugural address yes really it does. I mean, I think they did a great job. There wasn't disagreement on this. I know, uh, you know, and, and we often like to emphasize where folks are disagreeing, but the administration and the legislature came up with a bill that met the goals that I outlined, and I'm incredibly excited about that. The um, lake and water quality bill, uh, did it raise enough money to satisfy the EPA, in your view? Uh, I think the EPA is going to be very happy with the work that we've done to ensure that we're finally doing the right thing and cleaning up from us waterways. And listen, uh, as a state that cherishes our natural resources, that cares deeply about our quality of life and our natural beauty, we've got blue-green algae blooming in our shallow areas of our waterways and lakes that you don't want to swim in that you don't want to sleep next to in your camp at night because it stinks. I mean, we're losing this battle. This bill is going to make the investments that are necessary, targeted and smart, to ensure that our kids and grandkids have a much cleaner water and that we they that we undo the damage that we've done. Now, I'm uh, very close to Gina McCarthy, administrator of the EPA. Uh, she's a Boston person, understands local government. Uh, I've been keeping her abreast of the bill. I'm not saying that the EPA is going to say everything you've done is perfect and we're getting out of the way, but I do believe that the EPA is going to be very supportive of the actions that we've taken. The energy bill seems to be a little bit in flux here yesterday or recently, the Senate president throwing in a new amendment here. First of all, is that appropriate, throwing in, uh, having an amendment come in? You were in the same position he was in. Is this what you do to derail a bill? No, I think that uh, the president pro tem is actually trying to improve the bill, and that is what you do. Uh, you know, it's, this process is always messy. They often say watching the legislature make legislation is like watching sausage be made. That's nothing new. But listen, here's the concern. Uh, as the biggest promoter of renewable energy that you'll probably find among any governor, and we've got eight times the number of solar panels since I became governor, and I want to do that again in the next two or four years, uh, we're going to, you know, we're moving to greener, cleaner power, cheaper power, low, generally, you know, uh, the revolution that's going on in renewables in Vermont and energy efficiency is, I think, unprecedented in most other states. So, having said that, what the President of Tem says is concerned about is having the setbacks for big solar projects be exactly the same as the setbacks for every other project in that town. That's perfectly reasonable to me. So, you know, I know some will disagree with me, but it's not saying we're not going to build, continue to build out. It's just saying, you know, when I built my garage, I had to be, I think it's 50 or 75 feet from my neighbor's border. Well, for a big solar project, you got to be able to follow the same guidelines. Now, what I said to the President Tem is, it can't say that they can be more prohibitive. In other words, you can say they get to have 7,000 foot setbacks and therefore you prohibit solar from happening in your community. But I think it's a sensible amendment. Do you, is this a must-pass bill this year? It's very important and let me tell you why. Uh, we run the risk, because of the rec market, of seeing Vermonters uh, and industries electric rates spike 
if we don't deal with the fact that currently uh, we're behind the eight ball in terms of the way we're dealing with the renewable credits. So what this bill does is take Vermont not to the back of the line, but to the front of the line, and will ensure that other states that we currently sell our credits to, which bring about lower rates for Vermonters, won't be jeopardized. Let's talk about Senator McAllister for a moment. Um, it's clear at this point that he's not going to resign. What's your feeling about that? Well, I hope he changes his mind. Why? I think that, as I've said before, uh, you know, these are some of the most troubling allegations that I've read against uh, any public official. And particularly when you get into the details, extraordinarily disturbing. He's going to have his day in court like every Vermonter should and would. But I think that it's better for the Senate, better for Vermont, and frankly, better for him uh, if, while he's dealing with these allegations, he's not a senator. This is a small community here in Montpelier. Is it fair for people to wonder why there weren't people that were noticing something amiss going on, that something could have been done? Do you think that there could have been more done? I think whenever you see uh, allegations as troubling as these over a period of time, it's fair for us all to ask as Vermonters and as a community, uh, how do these things happen without any of us noticing? Is there any sort of, I mean, they're talking about registering interns. Is there anything more than that could, that could be done that would be helpful to prevent this in the future? I think that what this outlines is, you know, and I say this as the father of daughters, uh, who I love dearly, is the fundamental challenge that we have as a society about the way that men treat women. And what does it say? We still have a long way to go before we reach the equality that we all dream was present right now and the fairness and the decency and the justice. Is this too much of a male-dominated culture in Montpelier? I think it's too much of a male-dominated culture in America. And that's the challenge we face together. Is there anything that can be done to kind of lessen that difference here? More women in government sure would help. Anything else? I think uh, the kind of measures that the Senate's looking at, that the House looked at last year in terms of uh, places to go for folks, who, for, for anyone who feels like uh, their rights have been abridged is smart. Uh, I think generally a raising, this conversation we're having now, raising awareness. You know, I understand that they're allegations, but no civilized human being would treat somebody the way the allegations have been outlined. Let's go back, um, comparing now to, to January here. Uh, fair to say the biggest disappointment of this session for you is this payroll tax going down in flames? The biggest, the biggest disappointment certainly is uh, that we are leaving $100 million of federal funds on the table and not adequately dealing with the health care opportunities that we have to finally move towards a fair system where low-income Vermonters get good medical care, providers can afford to serve them, and businesses don't keep watching their their uh, insurance rates go up faster than they can bring in a loot turn it. Now, 
you know, we're moving ahead. We're going to, uh, as you know, we're working very, very hard to move Vermont from a fee-for-service system that reimburses for quality for one that has an all-payer waiver from the federal government that allows us to finally reimburse for quantity, for healthy, for health, staying healthy as opposed to treating uh, you know, a system that reimburses for the current system really reimburses for catastrophic care. Let's be clear about this. If you if you don't have enough catastrophic care, it's hard to pay your bills. We're going to move to a system that says we're going to we the providers are going to get paid for keeping Vermonters healthy. That's going to be the first priority. You're going to see that happen in the rest of the country. I think it's going to finally bring our healthcare spending under control, and our spending is the challenge. And the biggest accomplishment, what's going to make the biggest impact on Vermonters' lives that got passed? I actually got to say that depending upon what happens here in the next few hours, we have the potential to pass more uh, difficult and really important legislation to making Vermont's economy work for every single Vermonter than I've seen in years. First, balancing $113 million budget thought shortfall in a fiscally sustainable way is really important. But if we can actually get this education bill to my desk. This thing's been evading us for years, changing the structure of the way we deliver education. That's huge. If we can actually get this water quality bill to my desk, that's huge. We've been putting this one, we've been kicking the can down the road on clean water forever. If we can get this energy bill to us, it's going to really put Vermont at the front of the line in terms of moving to locally generated, green, clean, affordable power, energy efficiency for every building in Vermont. And that's the model for our electric utilities instead of the old system where you sell as much electricity as you can generated out there somewhere to customers. If we can get the, ch the child protection bill through to my desk, and I think it's making progress. That's important. The economic development bill is going to help us in a state that has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country continue to grow jobs, economic opportunity. So we came in here in January saying, job number one, make Vermont's economy work for every single Vermonter, not just the folks who are doing well in the first place. I'm really proud of the progress that's being made. Go back to this point you were making at the end of our discussion about Senator McAllister. You know, what what is it? Why is it that we treat each other so badly sometimes. I know you observe human nature. What's going on? I think fundamentally that uh, when you talk about the kind of behavior, the allegations that we're talking about here, and you see this in uh, situation after situation where women are victimized, it's a question of the way that men view their relationship with women. And you know, it's about male domination. It's uh, it's about a violent society. It's about years and years of inequity where, you know, for years it's been okay to discriminate. Uh, and, you know, it's a matter of all of us, particularly men, uh, ensuring that uh, we actually uh, treat everybody in this society uh, as not only equal, but with respect, dignity, and uh, the opportunity to succeed. And, and, you know, I think that basically is what it boils down to. I always say whenever I'm talking about, uh, you know, victimization of women, men could fix this problem all by ourselves. We don't need the help from over half the state. You know, I, I have wondered, and I think many Vermonters out there have wondered when they observe this case and say, you know, how could nobody have noticed what was going on? How could everybody, these people that we put in a position of leadership and authority, supposedly bright people, you know, everybody seems to have missed it. Is it, is it a fair criticism for people to have? 
I think instead of criticizing, we should be asking this question. How can you take tragedy and turn it into something that we grow and learn from? And that's what we should be asking. What can we do differently? Okay. What can we do differently? Change our attitudes, men. Okay. And how do you do that? Having this conversation. You know, it's really about, it's about education. It's about tolerance. It's about ensuring that we have equal pay. It's about literally looking at everything that we do as a state and saying, are we being fair? Are we being equitable? And are we assuring that my daughters have just as much opportunity as your sons? Uh, so uh, what's left for you here in the next 24 hours? What do you got to get buttoned up? Well, all the things I just outlined, and, you know, I just want to say this is the point in the session where, you know, people are tired and tempers flare and, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, it gets a little, it gets a little choppy at times. But I've got to say that overall, I'm really proud of the work that we're on the verge of completing. Uh, in a lot of states, they don't face the tough problems that are facing them. They just don't. And, uh, you know, there's no good, going to be no ticker tape parade for a lot of legislation that happens here because it's taking on long-term challenges that we face for a long time. But Vermonters are sick and tired of a school system that is costing them too much money. They're sick and tired and, frankly, losing quality because some of our communities are really having trouble keeping enough kids in the classroom to make it work. Uh, they're sick and tired of, of blue-green algae. They're sick and tired of, you know, energy policies that uh, that haven't treated their pocketbooks or their environment well. And and they're sick and tired of, of, of uh, you know, a, a child, a protection system for our kids that isn't doing its job all of the time. So I think we can get out of here with a lot of uh, really significant progress and and i'm proud of the work that's being done you said that you wanted to oversee the installation of um the double again the solar capacity and you would be overseeing that in the next two to four years right and every other renewable i can think of including okay. cow power and you know i mean we're talking about an interesting project in lincoln vermont i was listening to yesterday on the radio where we're literally going to be cutting edge in terms of producing our own uh, uh natural gas from cow power uh, there's a project being proposed up in the uh, by i believe green mount powers uh, involved with it uh, up in franklin county i mean in other words you know climate change remains the big challenge we're all facing and i do think that even though vermont's small what we're doing with energy efficiency what we're doing with locally grown green power what we're going to hopefully be doing with plug-ins and electrification of our transportation system is all going to be a great model for the rest of the country if we can get this right last question you uh i just saw lawrence miller walk by you got about two weeks here before this first deadline you've imposed some thought it was the final deadline we'll have that on a discussion another day are you con how, how confident are you that what you want to have happen on the, th on the end of this month, where are things standing with that? What's We're, the progress? You know, it's a big technology project. This change of circumstance piece is really big. Uh, it's been evading us for a long time. Uh, with any technology project of this size, anything and any, anything and everything could and can happen. But I continue to be cautiously optimistic that we're going to meet the end of the month. Okay, so it's not done right now, today. No. It's in progress. It's so in progress, and they're working 24-7. And again, uh, i gotta, I got to give a hand 
to the team up at Vermont Health Connect who, you know, gets beat up every day. They're working their tails off to Optum, to our uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield MVP, our partners in this, uh, to everybody that's working really hard to pull this one off. Any reservations on signing the vaccination bill? Well, sure. I mean, this has been a tough one for me, and I bet it is for a lot of Vermonters. I really wish the other approach had worked. Uh, I understand, you know, I feel strongly we should be vaccinating our kids. That's my own personal feeling. Uh, vaccinations work. I understand that. I think everybody understands that. Uh, but whenever you talk about the government uh, literally telling parents you know, what they must do with their kids in terms of what shots they get. It's why states struggle with this question of do we have a philosophical exemption or not? And I really wish that we'd seen our numbers go down in terms of the bill, or I should say up, in terms of the bill that we passed two and a half years ago where more kids were getting vaccinated. That's not happening. It's too bad it's not happening. I actually think that Representative Donahue's approach, I, you know, I had wished that we'd done that two and a half years ago. Maybe it would have been more successful. But at this point, the bill's coming my way, and uh, I'm inclined to sign it. Anything else you want to add? Let's uh, just, uh, I hope Vermonters will go out and enjoy the weekend, and uh, let's hope that for their pocketbooks the legislature isn't back here next year next week asking for another week's pay thanks for your time thanks for having me governor shumlin we'll be back right after this wbev's fairness to fans machine fires up monday may 18th during ken squire sports you can win a pair of tickets to the red sox game monday june 1st against the minnesota twins at fenway park you must be listening to win to enter send your name address and telephone number to contest at radiovermont.com then tune in monday if we call your name you'll have five minutes and 50 seconds to call in and win Fairness to fans, Monday noon hour on your Red Sox station, WDEV. Looking for a loan for your Vermont business, childcare, or nonprofit organization? Look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Because at the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we lend to Vermont businesses and nonprofits, even if the bank says you're not quite ready for a loan. At the Vermont Community Loan Fund, we focus on people, not profits. We'll work closely with you before and after you get your loan to make sure you get what you need to succeed. The Vermont Community Loan Fund makes loans to early stage companies and established businesses ready to take the next step. We lend to farms and food producers, high-tech businesses, manufacturers, retailers, childcare businesses, affordable housing developers, service providers, and other nonprofit organizations. We make loans to Vermonters doing business right here at home and around the world. So if you're looking for financing to help your growing business, look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Visit us online at investinvermont.org. That's investinvermont.org. Tired of grocery shopping at huge supermarkets with no personality? This is Tom Mihiran, and I invite you to shop our well-stocked, right-sized family market in Waitsfield. Custom-cut meats, fresh seafood and produce, gourmet cheeses, regular and organic groceries, and over a 1,000 wines. Come and see Jeff and Bill in the meat department, Tana and Produce, Gary and Seafood, Nate in the deli, or Nancy and Liz in our incredible wine department. Family run for over 70 years. Mihiran Supermarket, Village Square Shopping Center in Waitsfield. 